love you. Gentlefolk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. Doodly do. Wait, hold on. I got, I got, I got this. I'm the Green Traveler. Wait, no, I, I've lost. I'm the Green Traveler. Before I show you my hell. Oh, welcome back. <laughs> and I, I am lost the, tune. the Faceless Leon. He'll practice it for the third Doctor episode. This is Green and Faceless on the Couch, a podcast about movies and TV. And this is yeah. this. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> He's excited. I'm, I, I'm really excited. Live too. audience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not you. It's, it's the audience. Okay. Um, <laughs> we are here doing a second installment of uh, Doctor Who because it is a long, long-running show. Um, if you don't know anything yeah. about Doctor Who, you might want to check out our first episode on, on it. There's Indeed. a reason why we decided to do ep- multiple episodes, and that's because the Doctor changes over time. Indeed, he does. They do, actually. They do. They do. They do. That's right. And that actually uh, brings me to a very exciting announcement because this is coming one day after they yeah. announced the 14th Doctor, and I am so fucking pumped. I was hoping for an era of the woman. I will be honest. Jodie Whittaker has been the Doctor yeah. for the last, like, four years or whatever. Uh, three seasons, but, like, you know, time. Um, so, it's it's been nice, and at the same time, you know, we've had what 55 plus years of men as the doctor so i was like let's do an era of the woman this yeah, will be a lot of fun can. you know that that doesn't mean that i'm not as like super fucking over the moon excited for the person they did choose because it was shooty gatwa i have not seen anything shooty gatwa is in and honestly that's the case for all but two of the main doctors and four of all of the doctors in general like there's only there's only two doctors before this who i had seen before watching doctor who Right. Like, all the rest have been brand new to me. And so, you know, I'm I'm super freaking excited for Shooty. I, uh, I can't wait. I am. Me too. Yeah, I watched a lot of interviews. His personality is the most, like, beautiful thing ever. Uh, I mean, he is, he is a, I believe he, he is gay. He is a gay black man. I don't know. I, maybe this is a very divisive statement for some people out there, but that's, like, my favorite personality. <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> I love being around gay black men because they're just the best kind of people. Like, I I don't know. The, the the few gay black men that I have known in my life have been some of the best people I've ever known. Yeah. And they're just, their personalities are so fucking wonderful. And Shooty, just from what I've seen in the interviews, is is no different. Just, you know, just watching him for five minutes, I was just smiling and just like, oh my god, this guy's going to be so perfect as the doctor. And oh, so I can't the, wait for it. It's going to be wonderful. The picture that you showed to me well, one of them uh, had him in this school uniform, which is from the set of uh, sex, sexual education, or just sex, sexual, education? Uh, just sex education, yeah. And uh, I was thinking, that's honestly not a bad look. <laughs> no, it's not. Honestly, it really, it really is good. Like I- I've seen some people play with looks. I kind of went through his. Uh, this is stalkerish of me, but like I'm sure a lot of people did this once they made the announcement. I went through his Instagram, uh-huh. and there's actually quite a few outfits that he has on his Instagram. That I'm like, ooh, that would look great for the doctor. Like, oh right. my god, you know, that's yeah. probably how they picked him. 
is they they saw his Instagram and they're like, man, there's so many things we could do. <laughs> right. It's like, man, this guy could pull off so many styles. But there there was one that kind of looked very uh, uh, Sylvester McCoy-ish. Oh, cool. and, and at the same time, also a little bit Colin Baker-ish. Like it, had, it was a very rainbow-colored shirt. Which, you know, that suits for the doctor. He's had many, many outfits that were very uh, rainbow colored. Um, he again, they. I keep forgetting. <laughs> the, yeah, we don't want to blip out Jody. We just <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, that's the thing. Is like, as Jody has said, like, uh, you know, she, she may be one of 13, but she'll always have been the doctor. And that's, that's yeah. the damn truth right there. It's like yeah. everybody has embodied the doctor differently. And Jody has been absolutely wonderful. I've, you know, I've always liked her in the show. The writing was hard to get through, right. but she did a great job with the writing. She she played her personality well. I agree. Uh, she was bogged down by the constant need to use a sonic screwdriver on everything. But th- th- this isn't Jody's episode. I won't. I won't go into it. That'll be for yeah. like five years from now, because it's you know. Uh, in, in reality, uh, I know, and the, my my friend over there, the faceless tra- uh, yes. Leon, knows that. The faceless Trelone knows. The fa- the faceless Trelone. I almost said the faceless traveler. Yeah. <laughs> but like th- these episodes, I, we I I wholly acknowledge they're not for everybody. You know, yeah. not everybody loves Doctor Who, and so they're not going to tune in that much. Where you know they won't get as many views. And I understand that. This is just for me to <laughs> just go absolute ham, and you know to go just absolute crazy with something that I love. Because, you know, this is, this is one of my favorite things in the world. Yes. And I am in love with it. I'm, I'm pretty certain that you are the one who got me into it. Like, I was familiar with it. I think I'd seen one, a yeah. couple of episodes. I think I went to, like, what was supposed to be, like, a class project thing. But really, they mm-hmm. were just turning on Doctor Who. And, it, <laughs> like, when you tell me stories about your high school experience, it seemed like this was what you did every day, pretty much. Um, yeah, pretty much. I I did not have much of a high school experience. I was I was in college classes by the time I was a junior, and I was also in the tech crew. Uh, we call it the tech crew. It's most people will call it like the AV club or something sure. like that. You know, it's the the lights and sound for theaters. You know that kind of thing. Um, and and so by the time I was a junior in high school, I pretty much wasn't going to any of my classes because a lot of them were college classes. So they only met on Mondays and Wednesdays. No, and you know, during that time, yeah, during that time, I didn't have to do anything uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, but the school enforced that I had to still be there. You know, they're like, oh. you can't just go home during those hours; you have to be here. And I was like, well, home is thirty minutes away, so it'd be kind of pointless to go home just to come back for the afternoon, anyways. So a lot of the times in my high school, I uh, played video games. I went to the Tech Crew's designated room in high school where we had a Nintendo 64 and I would play Smash with anybody who was bored with their class and would just come and join me. Uh, yeah, high school was kind of a joke for me. That's that's why when I have a very strong, you know, uh, opinion on American education, it's because by the time I was in junior, I had basically passed America's education already yeah. because it's fucking stupid. It is it's, pretty it's, stupid, and I, and I I honestly feel if I tried, I could have as well, uh, but right. I just wanted to be 
done with the work and then go home and watch TV. And look what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's paid off. <laughs> well, we're well, not getting paid for yeah. this, but it is paying off. <laughs> well, we are getting paid for this by some people. Yes, yes. It, and if you want to, if you want to join those people, you can go down to yeah. Patreon.com/slash/GreenAndFaceless. Check out our tiers and uh, maybe help us out a little bit. That would be great. You know, help show. us turn this into something that is profitable rather than a hobby that almost pays for itself. Not that we won't always offer this for free, though. You know, yeah. if you're just a if you're a regular listener, we love you just the same as those who help pay us out. Well, probably not just the same, you know, just a smidgen less, but we still love you. <laughs> yes, we do. Take me out to the living room. Take me out to my chair. Hand me the clicker and turn on the tube. I don't care if we even eat food for it's the faceless pitch. Did I practice that? Not really. Am I... A little less inebriated than usual. We're talking about TV today here on the Faceless Pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I have uh, I have three picks for us. Uh, I, I like to do a little bit extra on the Faceless Pitch on on these episodes because, as you'll see, the second half of the show, the when we're digging into Patrick Troughton, that's who we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, second good. doctor. Okay, when we're talking about him, it's going to mostly be green. So I wanted to bring a little bit to the table. We're going to travel back in time first in our, you know, uh, time and space in relative dimension. I fucked it up. Time time and relative dimensions in space. Damn it. Damn my dyslexia. You were close. <laughs> you were very close. You just you were calling a Tadris instead of Tadris. Tadris. Welcome to my Tadris. Um, this is my Tadris. <laughs> it's shaped like a snail's back. <laughs> Come inside. It's smaller on the inside. <laughs> it's smaller on the inside. <laughs> so we're going back to turn of the century, not this century, New York. Uh, early 1900s till the Gilded Age of New York City in a series called The Gilded Age. So, oh, I was hoping it was called Teddy Roosevelt. No, it was. It doesn't have Teddy Roosevelt. They do mention him, but it's not. That's very not. rude. So this movie, this movie, this show is done by the same person who did uh, Downton Abbey. Uh, I believe Michael Ooh. Engler is the is the guy. Apologize if that's not right, but he wanted to bring this era to life as well. It has a similar pace to that, but there's a bit more of a biting edge than the chill, relax feel that you get from Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey Secret Review. It, it, it's awesome. about it's about the the rich people and their servants and how their their life interacts with each other and evolves as time passes. Right. You know what also has a biting edge? What's that? Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt did have a biting edge. <laughs> we need that back. Um, so that dude chomped words <laughs> off with every single sentence. <laughs> So, The Gilded Age is, uh, it's got a similar dynamic, but it's on a wider scale. Uh, it is the 
Well, I, I, I suppose I don't know about that. Well, yes, it's on a wider scale because it focuses on more people than just the one family like Downton Abbey does. This is about old money versus new money. If you're not familiar with the history of New York, uh, during this time, industry was allowing people that never had money before to accumulate a lot of it until they were their fortunes competed with people who migrated from Europe, their families rather, to the uh, the states with a bunch of money. So these people who are old money did not like these new people rubbing elbows with them at social gatherings and stuff. And it's really about one particular uh, family. And it's been actually a little while since I watched it, so it's going to be hard for me to mention people by names, but I believe is the Russell. Yes, uh, Bertha and George Russell played by Carrie Coon and Morgan Spector, are new money. And they really, uh, especially uh, Bertha, Mrs. Russell, she really wants to get in on the societal elite with the... Because I mean, they're one of the richest people in New York in, in the story. <clears throat> and George's... The business stuff that they do with George, also pretty interesting and intriguing. All in all, I... I I really enjoyed watching this show. I give it a full face. The, the other family they focus on is is really cute, but they also, being that they're the old money family, are uh, a, a little bit rigid, especially their uh, matriarch. I believe, oh man, if I say it wrong, I apologize, but we have Deborah Monk as Mrs. Armstrong uh, in her her family armstrong family that consists of her sister and her niece who recently became orphaned and came to live with them it's uh so there's a, a lot of interesting dynamic it is slow paced like downton abbey and i would say that the season finale while the goals of the characters were met did kind of feel a little flat like it kind of felt yeah. like hey if we do get canceled that's it'll be okay it's like one big long movie um but there wasn't any like big it didn't feel like there was any really big dramatic moments in that finale so i did miss that a little bit what do you think about the gilded age um i mean i don't think it's gonna be anything on my radar for a while uh this might sound like you know blasphemy to some people's ears i've never watched down abbey that's one of those shows that yeah it it got real big everybody was talking about it's kind of like um Game of Thrones. I don't know. There was a point in my life where I was trying to keep up with what everybody was talking about. And Game of Thrones has been one of my favorite book series since I was young. I remember reading all of them and I was so excited. And I was like, oh my god, they're going to make it this TV show. And I watched the first season and I was like, oh. Oh no, 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 no. They got all the characters wrong. They got all this shit wrong. Like, what's going on? And everybody's blowing up and talking about how much they loved it. And I'm sitting there like they can't figure out how to do exposition without having a sex scene. Like, no, this is this is this is bad. This isn't good. And everybody else is like, look at those fucking sex scenes, man. Yeah, everybody's like, this and is like Lord of the Rings, but with boobs. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, like that that's fine, but no, this isn't what I want. You know, I want I want the. I mean, not to say there isn't sex in in Game of Thrones because there very much obviously is, but in a book you can do exposition without sex. Uh, but no, it's just, that I think that was the point where what was popular with the people was no longer popular with me. I became that, that, 
that hipster, if you will. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I don't I, know. I knew it first. <laughs> Everybody was talking down at me. And I'm like, I think I would love that, but I'm not going to give my time to it. You know, right. it's just like someday I do kind of want to sit down with somebody and watch it because I'm pretty sure I would love it. And that's probably the same thing with this show is like, I think I think I would like it with somebody by myself. Right. I think I would fall asleep. I would agree, especially. Uh, so it it really takes a minute to get into Downton Abbey, but it is worth yeah. it. I will say that. Well, I also just love the cast. The cast yeah. is, is is astounding in Downton Abbey. Like they really are. I mean, just uh, what's um oh, I'm gonna get in so much trouble with this episode. What's uh McGonagall's name? Maggie Smith. Uh, yes, yes. Um, she's the okay, she's- the. The Dowager, the the um, right. Countess Dowager, are they counts? Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, just like just just for her alone, I would love the show because yeah. like she's freaking phenomenal. So <laughs> well, I, don't know. I I know that I would love these shows if I give them the chance. Mm-hmm. I think the problem really lies with just the fact that I'm trying to watch them alone and I'm just not vibing by myself. Right. You know, right. if I, I if totally I was watching it with somebody, that. I think I might vibe more. I can totally understand that. So, I'll give you another pitch then. We'll go forward in time. Same century, 60s. Here we are. I'm liking it. I'm liking the, it. The television is becoming more and more popular. And a lot of people are getting them in, the, in their homes nowadays. Uh, but not the Childs. The Paul Child was a... Um, <laughs> not the children (laughs) the child paul child played by david hyde pierce from um frazier he plays niles on frazier and he uh was a delegate uh, or an ambassador uh typically in europe for the united states Um, but he was forced into retirement and this story is not about him at all. It's about Julia Child, his <laughs> wife. This, this <gasps> I yes, know that name. yes, you do. Um, so Julia Child, at, at the start of this show, has already written her her famous book. She's obviously more famous for her television show, but at the time, her book was still getting some buzz um, because it brought French cooking to uh, English households english-speaking households rather uh it, it, namely in america so it was kind of revolutionary and she used that clout a little bit to uh propose that she make a cooking show after she was a guest star on television she became interested she cooked on on that first guest star uh guest spot can't remember the show but it was about books she brought a hot plate onto the set and cooked an omelet for the host. That was not necessary plan. They did not rehearse that. It was supposed to just be an interview and she was a lot of fun. And she did it on like a, you know, a night table and she's a tall lady. She's like six something. Right. So she cooks this omelet for him and that's in the first episode. And then she gets curious about it and she comes to them and is like, Hey, what if I did a cooking show? And this is about the first season of that cooking show. I really hope they come back. Uh, me and Sarah absolutely loved every single bit of this. Julia Child, by the way, is played lovely by Sarah Lancashire. Uh, I'm not very familiar with her work, 
but she's great. They have her best friend, uh, Avis Devoto, played by B.B. Newrith. Avis is uh, cool. Like, her and Paul and I can't remember the other character who really help her, like, get rehearse each episode and, and stuff like that. It, the show is produced by Russ uh, Morash, played by Fran Krantz. Fran Krantz, rather. From oh. <laughs> from Cabin from, uh, in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. If there's another awesome. live action Scooby Doo movie, he should play Shaggy. Um, Nobody can play Shaggy ever again. It's only, <laughs> <laughs> only Matthew Lillard. <laughs> only Matthew Lillard, man. He's nailed it. He is yeah, Shaggy. He did. Secret reviews. It's like. No, it's like if you think like in, nobody could take or beat Casey Case of a Shaggy, and it's like no, of course not. And then, and then Matthew Lillard came in, and it's just like oh, oh, you are Shaggy. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize. I didn't realize. <laughs> Damn. No, Frank um, so would definitely. It be is a also choice, produced though. by Alice Naiman, played by Brittany Bradford, and um, as a black woman in this industry, she's. Her, part of her story is struggling to get recognition. She is already in a high position when the, stor- the story starts, but she's still being treated as if she's like an assistant or a PA. So the story, uh, her story is a, a lot about gaining respect. And she's the one who sat down with Julia and, uh, with this idea and pushed it towards the uh, the big boss. All, all those characters' stories just, you know, they, they do a nice job of not just making it about Julia, but it's about how Julia touches these people li- these people's lives, too. And uh, there is a moment where she meets uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Nice. Um, but he only really has one scene, uh, and he's played by Rob McClure. Uh, and that was very interesting. <laughs> Rob McClure does a good impersonation of fred rogers i will say nice so that's my pitch for julia what do you think i think it's the same i think i would uh, avoid it for the most part until i'm able to watch it with somebody i think i would definitely enjoy it with somebody i do say i want to say that it sounds really awesome but only yeah. because the only thing i've seen of julia childs is the meryl streep film and i thought that right. was well acted but lackluster Sure, I can agree. uh, This seems like it's more of a good, in-depth view of her life, as opposed to just like how it helps one woman overcome hers. Right, right. I 100% agree, and uh, like I said, I hope they come out with another season of this, if not several. Um, But that movie, I am glad I watched it before this, because you get that, that movie is the story of her writing the book with uh right. with Simka who is in this as well uh Simone Beck played by Isabel Rossellini uh, she is her french partner for the book so I-, I think watching that movie beforehand anyhow was really informative to start the book with it was a good prequel to the series yeah so I got one more pitch if we got time. We got time. It's also not a. It's not. Yeah, yeah I do. But it's, I, I was going to say that the movie. I don't want it to sound like I hate that movie because it is a good movie. Right. It's just right. it was a little. It's a little lackluster. I think. I appreciate that. So let's hop back into our <laughs> Tadris, and we're going to go <laughs> yeah. to a parallel present. 
So imagine a world where a company... I need that in the trailer voice, please. Do it in the right voice. Imagine a world where superheroes are corporate. So, and in the... The boys, the boys, yes. I'm talking about the boys. Uh, I I watched the first season when it first came out a while back. I just now caught up on the second season, uh, and they're going to have a third come out in June. So this is this is uh, oh, yeah. this is a good review for people who are looking for some a show that's still running. That's yeah, exciting. So Carl Urban, crazy old Carl Urban, plays Billy Butcher. Uh, he is the only English Bones. character. Um, and he lives in in America where superheroes are they don't only just exist they're frequent um, and they are all not I don't know if they all are but it seems like the only company that exists as representation and whatnot for these superheroes is Vought. And really, the story is about how Vought does a lot to cover up these accidents and settle, settle in court and stuff like that for things that happen to bystanders. For example, Huey Campbell, played by Jack Quaid, he's our, he's our main character, really. Uh, Carl Urban is just the big name. Uh, he's also a main character. So he is holding his girlfriend's hands as she steps off the curb. Just then, the speedster of this story, there are several speedsters in the show, the main speedster, A-Train, played by Jesse T. Usher, just obliterates her as he's running down the road. And he's like, I can't stop. And then he just keeps on going. It's really interesting as the story goes on to realize how much of a a blip that was on A Train's mind. It, it it really he he forgets about it. He has to every time Huey encounters him, he basically has to remind him about it. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of sickening. Uh, you know, there's I'm sure there's uh some kind of parallel they're trying to draw on the real world here about people in power or maybe celebrities not entirely sure uh so why it's (laughs) called the boys is that billy butcher recruits huey into this group that includes mother's milk that's the character's name mother's milk uh (laughs) by laz alonzo and frenchie uh, that is a nickname, but I don't know what his real name is. I forget. Played by Tomer Capone and Mother's Milk. He is this uh, big, strong black man, and he uh, is very good with tactics, but he's also OCD. Uh, and sometimes that gets in the way. <laughs> and I can understand. Frenchie is an inventor. And so they use what Frenchie comes up with when, when they know that they're going to go out and they go out and they challenge superheroes because they think that they need to be taught a lesson and the law isn't, isn't, you know, on their side for, uh, these so-called pedestrian casualties, we'll say. So they use Frenchie's equipment to fight these superheroes 
but they, you know, they have to be subdued because if they, if they're if they're out in the open about it, the superheroes are just gonna kill them because they're just regular people. <laughs> uh, the w- one right. person who would definitely just kill them right away is Homelander, played by Anthony Starr, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. His costume is basically the American flag. I do like how it buttons up just on one side like an old old like flight uniform but right. his his cape has stars at the top and then red and white stripes it's it's yeah. it's a bit gaudy but it's perfect for this fucking character and anthony star uh plays just the best narcissist in the world uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say uh there's there's obviously a lot more superheroes in this character there's um Annie January, who plays, who is Starlight, played by Aaron Moriarty. She uh, also is a love interest for Huey, which that gets very complicated. Obviously, him being a vigilante and uh, Queen May. Is there a news too? What's that? If there's a Huey, is there a news too? No, there is not. There's not uh, the news, which would be really funny if if the character named the news had no face and wore a a Tribbly. (laughs) (laughs) If he was just a sidekick, my name's Huey and this is the news. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And he has to translate it to him or something. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Okay, so there are some other superheroes that we have uh, are... Queen Maeve, played by Dominic uh, McElligot. There's also Translucent, who is their invisible character. Excuse me. Let me explain what Starlight and Queen Maeve do. Starlight, she does like photon projectiles, you know, whatever. Uh, She drains electricity as well. Uh, Queen Maeve is their uh, Wonder Woman equivalent. Uh, nice. Why Homelander is their Superman equipment. Ba- basically the same powers. I don't think he has frost breath, but he's super strong, lasers, flies. The Deep, who is their Aquaman uh, equivalent, played by Chase Crawford, he has both the most disgusting and most hilarious storyline in this show, especially in oh season two. I thought maybe they'd drop him and I'd be happy about it because... <laughs> okay, this is a bit of spoilers. This is the first episode. Starlight comes to join the Seven, which is the main big superhero group. And the Every first name. day on the job, he uh, sexually assaults her. So uh, it's really easy to hate the Deep. It's good to hate the Deep. And it's fun to watch him get shat on. Oh, man. The Deep. <laughs> There's also Black Noir, who is a, a mute ninja character. Oh, that, yeah, he's played by... Name. Yeah, that is a good name. And uh, he's played by Nathan Mitchell. And I think I also mentioned uh, Translucent. I was trying to find who played him. Alex Hassel. And I, so the, the characters that I mentioned are just the characters that are on The Seven. But there's so many more superheroes. And so many little <laughs> like superhero troops. It, it's a lot of fun. I recommend it to yeah. everyone. It's super gory, though. So I guess I don't recommend it to kids. <laughs> What do you think? Um, I've seen the first episode, and I thought it was wildly fun. I mm. thought it was exciting. Uh, I like um, – so, I'm like a, a bit of the opposite of most comic book people. Like, you know, I love comic books, 
Um, and a lot of people love those offshoots, uh, you know, like the, the Suicide Squad when they first started the Teen Titans, like all these like right. smaller group, like crazier story kind of things. Um, typically, I'm, I'm more mainstream. I like the, you know, the bigger titles. I like the bigger stories, the big events. That's not to say I don't enjoy the offshoots. I definitely do. It's just a lot of those offshoots have very sad and disturbing moments that really upset me at times. Uh, specifically, for example, um, what's that Amazon Prime show, Invincible? Is that it? Yeah. That, uh, animated? Yeah, yeah. Like the very first episode, there are Superman character spoilers for the first episode of Invincible. But literally, it is the first episode, like the first 10 minutes. Uh, well, not the first 10 minutes, but the, it's end the, of the last first episode. like five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like their Superman character comes in and just annihilates that that world's version of the Justice League. And just seeing that, that kind of stuff really affects me emotionally because as somebody who loves the mainstream big titles, like it, I, I immediately put in the mindset of like, what would it, like, how would this happen if this were to happen yeah. to our Justice League? Our example of the, the Avengers, you know, the, these big people. Um, so it immediately, and it, I mean, I know it sounds silly to some people, but it really does affect me emotionally to watch those things and like to feel for all these characters. And that's how it was with that first episode of The Boys is when uh, when the main character's girl uh, girlfriend just gets obliterated and their speedster's like, ah, 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 and just keeps running. Yeah. It was just like, holy shit. Like, that's explained in DC, by the way. If people are interested, the Flash can vibrate through people. He knows how to vibrate his uh, frequencies so that he doesn't do that to people. Uh, Wally West had a harder time learning how to do that. He can explode things, so he had to be very careful when he was running, because whenever he vibrated through things, they exploded. Um, oh, until he figured out how to how he hand, how to handle that, he eventually did figure out how to handle it. But <laughs> he had to be very careful when running because that was always present on his mind: was I can't vibrate through people to get out of situations because if I'm in a crowd, it's very likely I'll kill some people here, and I don't want that, obviously. Um, so yeah, watching, watching that first episode of the boys was like racking and I think I would definitely love it. It was a lot more fun cause I watched that first episode with somebody mm. and I was like, I told myself, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch this show cause I had a lot of fun, but I didn't want to watch the second episode by myself cause, cause of that, because of how, how real it was, how almost visceral yeah. and yeah. yeah visceral, so it's like, it's so. a swing and a hit. It's a swing and a hit, but I'm stranded on the bases because I, I, I need, I need help getting around. I see. Uh, well, so, maybe I yeah. have a little bit of help for you. Uh, I got a bit of a double pitch for the boys during the pandemic because uh, they probably had to stall their filming. They came out with an animated series called The Boys Diabolical. And the animated Ooh. series is just 11 minute shorts by different animators. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of like uh, Death sex robots or whatever that show is on netflix uh but it's in this world uh so you focus on different superheroes uh there's one that was rick and morty style and has uh is it justin roland yeah as one of the characters and it is hilarious so most of them are (laughs) comedy most of them are comedy a couple of them are more serious and i had a lot of fun watching it uh, there's this one with Aquafina as the main character, though, and her. And spoiler, her superpower was to control her own poop. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one was a little weird. Uh, that is a little weird. But anyhow, that might be a a, a, a 
a place to start in, instead. I don't know. I don't think there Maybe. were any like major sto- spoilers or anything. Yeah. Well, with that, that's the that's faceless pitch. Nice. And let's uh, shoot. let's take a soda pop break and come back and uh, wax poetic on Doctor Who. Sounds fucking beautiful. I'm ready for it. That's what you get for pissing me off. That's the last time you mess with me, Rick Callahan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, did we did we make it? Did we make it back? Are we back? Okay. I don't know. The TARDIS is never accurate, so no, it could be a different place. Oh shit! It's been two years for you. Oh, it's only been three minutes for us. We're sorry, couch potatoes. (laughs) We waited forever. We're the potatoes who waited. (laughs) The potatoes who waited. Uh, speaking of potatoes who waited, I think I have some potatoes oh. I need to make. Oh. Don't cook our potatoes again. Not not our audience members, but like... Oh, okay. Yeah, when we started out, we had like ten <laughs> listeners, and you were like, oh, I'm hungry, and we went down to six, and I was like, oh, yeah, man. I know. <laughs> I know. Don't I, eat well, our listeners. <laughs> well, I started outsourcing couch potatoes at that point. That's fair. But yeah, I wanted to start out uh, with the Doctor Who talk here. First explaining, because I've had a lot of conversations recently, some with my mother, some with other people at work, where I've complained about long-running television shows. And where I've been just like, you know, it's when when a show goes on for so long, I'm like, Jesus, they just need to end that shit. And then they always just look at me and they're like, and yet you like Doctor Who, <laughs> which has gone on now. Next year will be year 60. They'll have their, their 60th year anniversary. They haven't been on television for all... 60 years you know mm-hmm. they stopped around i think 87 and they came back in 2005 so there's a solid like you know close to Quite two decades there where yeah. there was no television but no television at say, all <laughs> no television at all but needless to say like my argument is most television shows that aren't doctor who at least like all every other show that goes on for so long they don't have a fucking story they're going because the audience is in love and they have other ideas that they can keep doing and they, they just don't know how to fucking end it. Right. And to them, I just want to say fucking end it. Figure out what your story is. Figure out what the message is that you're trying to tell with your story and end it. With Doctor Who, it changes every like three or four fucking years. It's, it's designed always, to go on. They, they it's built designed it to go in. on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally your whole cast changes. Your whole crew behind the camera changes every single four, three or four years. The heart of the show always remains mm-hmm. but what the story is being told is completely new it's a new showrunner's story it's a new idea you know sure same character right. as the doctor but it's a completely new actor that's zelda she's barking in the background uh-huh. and you know it's it's that's why i can defend doctor who is because yeah sure they don't have a, an overarching tale an overarching message they're trying to end but that's why i love it so i can keep watching it for fucking ever because it's it's just what I love. It's right up my alley. It's just it's just batshit crazy sci-fi that sometimes makes absolutely no sense. But it's just fun. Yeah. It's just fun. Sometimes it's scary, especially the day uh, the Patrick Troughton era. The second Doctor oh, yeah. era has some really good uh, horror feel, and I think mostly because it's still in black and white, and the the sound effects they're using the 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 score the the soundtrack that is 
is just like kind of eerie. It's kind of like sixties <laughs> uh, sci-fi eerie, particularly the the Cybermen theme song, because uh, this is this is the era where we get the Cybermen for the first time, which I'll I'll talk later. Um, but there, that theme song still irks me. It's still it gets under my skin. It, I mean, I'll do a bad in, 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 uh, imitation of it, but it's like, like it's just, I can't remember what instruments it is. Yeah, it's it's fun and it seems jaunty, but then you're watching the Cybermen move about on screen and they're they're, they're like uh they're, they're cyborg like men right. basically. You know, they're they're Mondashian aliens, but the the those people are very similar two humans because of budget and they have advanced their species yeah and they've advanced their species to become like cyborgs they they don't they don't have emotions they don't have real feelings they are just kind of like a brain encased in metal and in yeah when you're watching them move about on the screen they're kind of jerky and like eerie and that creepy song is playing in the background and it's it's <laughs> pretty unnerving and for the kids back yeah. in like 19 late 1960s that was terrifying. Like it, it sent a lot of kids behind their couch, just like the Daleks did. It was, it was, you know, people were like legitimately like, Oh my God, this show can be scary and fun, you know? And, uh, that's, that's where I, like, that's the best starting point is, you know, with William Hartnell leaving and with a lot of the producers and everything leaving that they, they had a huge hurdle, like awaiting them. Like, um, John Wiles was, a producer before Enos Lloyd took over. Enos Lloyd is the one who starts with Patrick Troughton as producer. Uh, Enos Lloyd is a producer for Pat Troughton's era for the first season and a half. But John Wilde had the idea of why don't we recast the main character? You know, uh, that William Hartnell, he's getting, um, he's suffering from, yeah, he's suffering from his issues, uh, his medical issues. He can't really keep working under our grueling schedule and you know most of the other crew were also getting kind of tired of it because it was very grueling and you know that that yeah that weighs on you especially when when a lot of the episodes are like goofy little sci-fis like this Mm -hmm. you know a lot of actors are going way over the top with their performances because it's it's sci-fi you're playing an alien of course you're just gonna be like i'm screaming at the stars you know it's like you you just go crazy and it actually makes for a while of good television because you got these crazy charismatic villains who are just giving it their all because fuck it it's television <laughs> um but like there the, after a while though it does get tiring and you know that that whole first crew basically of, of that first era i mean there was a lot of changes throughout but they were all kind of done with it mm-hmm. and you're you're given this huge hurdle of how do i overcome that how do i uh you know how how does this new crew keep this beloved show going do they do they de-age the character? Is that what we're doing? Like, is is it going to be the exact same character but younger? Well, no. Patrick Crown comes in. He's like, no, I'm going to do my own fucking thing. I don't want, you know, he's like, I didn't want to do the exact same personality. There's some similarities. But they made it very clear pretty early on, even though they called it a, a renewal instead of a regeneration. They made it clear, though, that his personality was going to be different than the first Doctor. He wasn't going to be the same he was the same person, but with a completely new personality. He was a new figure of this, of the you know, a new facet of this being. Wow! And you know, it's it's a wild idea. Never been it like is. not really been done before, to my knowledge. So I mean, like shows had already had 
often recast the leads, but to like continue with the same characters? No, like not really. Like it's usually like they'll kill off a somebody character and bring in a new lead or whatever. This was the yeah. first time where it's just like, no, we're going to do the same character, call him the exact same person. He's going to act like nothing at all weird's happened. You know, he, he <laughs> said, my my body's wearing thin. And then he just becomes Patrick Trout. And he's like, oh, this is good. I'm okay with this. And his companions, Ben and Polly at the time, they're just like, uh, what the fuck's going on? You know, um, Ben Jackson, played by Michael Craze. He's kind of like the audience figure. He's very skeptical. He's like, I feel like I've been cheated. This isn't the same guy. This seems weird. But Polly's kind of more understanding. She's just like, yeah, you know, he said he was getting old. He said he was going to get a new body. And lo and behold, this guy's now in front of us. It just happened. I mean, I didn't think it would happen like that, but it just happened. <laughs> yeah. And and the, the regeneration itself is a little weird. It's it's just a flash of light. And then the old, while that bright white light is like saturating the screen and you just have like the outline of William Hartnell still kind of visible. It just morphs into Patrick Trout, and it's like pretty good effects cool. for the uh, late '60s. That but cool. um, and nowadays standards, it's kind of <laughs> kind of a joke. <laughs> but yeah, they had this huge hurdle. You know, how do we keep it going? And a lot of it's thanks in part to Patrick Trout uh, in general. Let's be honest; he is like an amazing actor and very charismatic. So he carried a lot of this new, uh, a lot of the new weight that the show had to to keep you know to keep it going. And, you know, you also got to give a shout out to Enos Lloyd. Uh, Enos Lloyd, as I mentioned, he was the producer, the the technical showrunner back then for seasons four and half of season five. And he is also responsible for many of the monsters that are, you know, known and loved today in Doctor Who. The Cybermen, he brought them in. He did the Ice Warriors from Mars. Those are some good episodes in the new show. I like those ones. Yeah, they're pretty good, and then they're kind of, you know, again, they're creepy. He was really good at creating creepy aliens. I don't know if he created them, but he, you know, it's his ideas, I would assume, or something. They they came in under his under his reign. I give him credit. Maybe it's wrong. I, you know, my research didn't pull up anything. But he also did the Yetis and the Great Intelligence. Uh, Great Intelligence um, only, I think, only seen in the Second Doctor era until Matt Smith's age. Matt Smith wow. and Stephen Moffat brought them back. But they're one of my favorites. I love the Yetis. They're just big, giant, hulking, fur, mon- you know, you've seen the abominable snowman. That's It's just yeah. kind of like that, but with two glooming yellow eyes, like, peering out of their fur on their head. It's it's goofy <laughs> and menacing, and, like, it's it's so funny. They have big claws. Like, I love it. The are Yetis are recurring fun. Are cap- cap- uh, recurring characters in the old series? Yeah, in the in the second Doctor's era, yeah, they they have um, two serials, I believe, that remain, and that's uh, to begin with the technical details. That's the sad part about this the the second Doctor's era, because if any Doctor got screwed the most, it'd be Colin Baker, number six. But then this next Doctor would be Patrick Troughton, because uh, he did 119 episodes, 21 different si- stories across those 119 episodes. 53 of those are missing. And of those missing, a lot of those ruin other stories. So it's like, you know, he's he's missing a lot of his stories because BBC, like I mentioned in the last episode, they just decided to retape. Yeah. You know, they 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 needed uh they wanted to cut costs at all corners like to do whatever they could to save money. And so they just used the VHSs that they had saved Doctor Who on and just retaped them. 
Yeah, or whatever the equivalent tape they were using at the time. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just it's it's very sad. And thankfully, throughout the years, um, a lot of those have been recovered. Not not you know there's there's probably like seventy or eighty that was missing, and now we're down to like fifty three. Oh, wow. And it's still possible that there's more out there, like maybe in pawn shops or somewhere where you can find a VHS because people themselves might have taped them when oh, they were sure. on TV. And that's how a lot of them were were found was because somebody had them in a collected edition kind of thing and then sold it to BBC so they could remake it and remaster it. Uh, there are a lot of um, a lot of stories that are saved through through audio dialogue. Like we still have the audio, but we don't have the visual. And, you know, animators have come forward and made animations of those episodes. So there's there's still ways that a lot of these lost episodes can be can be watched. But a lot of Patrick Trown's era is just kind of, you know, missing. You know, you can watch uh, there, there'll be a story that will have six episodes and only two of them remain. And you can watch those two, but you're going to be kind of lost unless you read, you know, what what you can find on Wikipedia and that kind of stuff, because it's just. It's just gone, and it's yeah. it's real sad. And there's, uh, you know, one of the I've only met one individual in my life who had watched Doctor Who when it was airing, and you know, hearing him talk about the Patrick Crown era, watching it on television, was super fucking awesome because nice. it was just like, oh my god, I've I've never been able to witness some of these things he's telling me. He's just telling me these stories. I'm just like, oh, this is beautiful. It was a good fan moment for me to just to, to hear it. Uh, but you know, that's that's. The, the reason it was so exciting, one, because I'll, I haven't been able to see these episodes. So, hearing him talk about it was fascinating. But also, Patrick Troughton's one of my favorites. Like, he, he is so much fun. Uh, when he came in, he was famous for doing a lot of characters on television. He was a character actor. He did a lot of crazy things. Um, I, I don't know specifically. I believe one of his most famous ones was Robin Hood. Uh, he oh, did a, wow. a, a Robin Hood on television. I just imagining his uh, mo like haircut as Robin Hood. <laughs> well, he so he actually he actually okay he actually did that for the show because he was a if I don't know if you've seen pictures of him offset but he was such a handsome man yeah like and he is still handsome as Doctor Who with the picture I have in my head I know I know it's crazy but like if there there's one in particular where he's wearing a black shirt and he's doing uh studio voice work um if you can find that photo like he's so handsome in that photo it's just like wow like why did you why did you mess your hair up so much for the show <laughs> But I mentioned I mentioned earlier that of all of the doctors, there's only two that I had seen before having watched Doctor Who. Uh, there's David Tennant, who I watched first ever in uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire okay. as Barty Crouch Jr. Then there was uh, Patrick Troughton, who I watched in The Exorcist before. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. He's the priest who gets um, speared by the cross when it falls off of the when it gets hit by lightning and falls off the church and just spears into the ground. Oh, and that was my first ever because I didn't watch Doctor Who before I watched The Exorcist. I was like twelve when I watched The Exorcist. I had to, I had to sneak that past my mom because so you know, the Exorcist. yeah, yeah, for real. Oh boy, there, couch potatoes! I've made quite a few errors here, haven't I? Okay, well, first of all. 
there is a third doctor who I have watched prior to this, uh, prior to the show that is, and that is Jodie Whittaker herself. I watched her on Broadchurch, and I also watched her on Black Mirror for an episode. Oops, sorry. I, I got to correct myself there. But the big mistake here, <laughs> Patrick Trout wasn't on The Exorcist. He was on The Omen. I watched them both around the same time, and I was so excited about this episode, I just totally fucked up. But yes, he's in The Omen. Uh, the, I, I described the scene perfect, but, you know, uh, wrong movie. Both great. I'm stupid. Haha. But, like, um, there are other doctors that, you know, they're not the mainstream. Like, John Hurt, later on, he plays the war doctor. I, I definitely saw him before I watched Doctor right. Who. Super famous, yeah. Right. He's so huge. And then, um, who's the other one? There's another. Oh, oh, David Bradley, uh, who played, he replayed William Hartnell's first doctor. Yeah, I'd seen him before. And also in Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Patrick Trouton, like, I mean, from from what you see in The Exorcist, you get the idea that like, oh yeah, this guy's a good actor. I like him. But when he when he appears on screen and as the Doctor, he's he's a bumbling goofball. Uh, is like immediately lovable. Uh, he's he's uh, so when he when he first joined, because you know most Doctors get to choose their outfits when they when they join, they get to try to look. You know, when he was working on his outfit, Patrick Trouton, he was making himself a bit of a pirate. <laughs> and Sidney Newman came in and was just like. All right, hold on. Sidney Newman was the the creator. You sure. know, he was that one of the heads of BBC kind of thing. Um, he was still working on the show at this time, uh, but in a you know very small overseeing role. But like he came in, saw the the images of what they were trying to do with uh, Troughton's character uh, costuming and everything, and he was like, "Now hold on, we we gotta make this guy different than the first one, but we're not going that different, okay?" <laughs> like he's like, "Give me a he he he, he told them I don't remember this." precise quote but he told them basically give me a cosmic hobo and that's what they did they delivered <laughs> and that's that's like honestly if there are three if there are two words to sum up the second doctor it's cosmic hobo that's uh yeah it's 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 hilarious his outfit he has a baggy checkered trousers a button shirt with a messy collar messy uh as you said like kind of bowl cut hair like yeah. mo from uh um three stooges uh he has a bow tie because bow ties are cool <laughs> and he has a frock coat, and when he's when he's under a lot of duress, when he's trying to think, he will play a recorder, and it's really adorable. And a character uh, occasionally he wears a little tea cozy hat because Patrick Troughton himself had a thing for tea cozy hats, and <laughs> it, you know he just he kind of looks just just like a cosmic hobo just traveling across the scars. You know, you just see this guy, and she's like, oh, he's adorable, he's bumbling, he's uh, he's goofy. He can often be childish. He gets he he'll he'll also he'll he'll often act like he's not understanding the situation, and at he and then he's like trying to turn the room, like he's trying to think, but like acting like a child. Hmm. So he has a famous line that he tells one of uh, his companions that an unintelligent enemy isn't a threat, like an intelligent one is. So if you you're if you're kidnapped by somebody like like what happens to him and his companions a lot in this era, if you act dumb, the enemy's gonna have its guard down because they don't think much of you. Oh. And so he does that a lot. He acts very goofy to manipulate people into not expecting him. And once he's got the room, once they think that he's a little bit of a bumbling goofball, he manipulates the fuck out of them. He is so good <laughs> at that in this era. It's a very doctor move for sure. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. And he has 
less of an edge like uh, Hartnell did. Hartnell had a very dark, serious side to him that could, you know, sometimes it was a little, ugh, you know, he, he almost, <laughs> like I said in the first episode, he almost, like the very first episode, he almost crushes somebody's head because they're wounded. He's like, well, he's going to slow us down. He picks up a rock and his, his partner... His companion, Ian Chesterton, has got to be like, what the fuck are you doing? You're not killing this man. He's like, oh, I was just picking up a rock. Like, what are you <laughs> what talking are you, about? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's it's dark. Like, he, he can be dark. But this one, uh, uh, Patrick Troughton, he doesn't have that many uh, dark sides. You know, he does have a serious, some serious moments. Um, but But for the most part, he's just an adorable bumbling goof, and I love him. He's so good. Uh, next up, I will talk about the companions because every doctor roams around with companions, of course, and of Patrick course. Troughton is no different. Uh, he started, uh, as I mentioned, when he regenerated. When the when the doctor regenerated, they they were traveling with uh, Polly and Ben Jackson. And I already mentioned Ben Jackson is played by Michael Craze. Polly is played by Anek Wills. Not a lot of their episodes remain. A lot mm. of their stuff has has been cut. I don't know much about them because the few episodes I've seen. So we get more of them with Hartnell. It, kind of. A lot of the Hartnell episodes were cut too, oh. which is sad. Um, but Polly, from what from what I remember, she's fun. Like she's kind of she's kind of fun. She's like a fun companion. But like I, I think there's only like one serial with them remaining. My dog's about to probably start howling here. Yeah, it sounded so weird as they were approaching because it okay. did not sound she's like good. sirens at first. In my <laughs> it sounded like right. Doctor. It sounded like Doctor Who noises, kind of. <laughs> and I was like, "What, Greg? Right. He's coming! They're coming!" I mean, <laughs> but Ben Ben Jackson, though, I do remember him, but only because he's kind of annoying to me. Okay. He plays the audience's role in being skeptical, but mm. I kind of hate that. Sometimes he's a bit of a stick in the mud. Uh, he has the exact same amount of episodes as Polly, I believe, because um, I think they start and go at the same time. But maybe not. Um, you know, it's kind of out of my ass because again, it's, it's also kind of hard to tell because it's gone, like you said. Yeah, yeah. But he he's like disbelieving, disgruntled, and dismal. He's all the disses. You know, he's 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 all out. <laughs> he there. can he can be in the Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll I'll save my favorite one, my favorite companion for the end. Uh, there's Victoria Waterfield, played by Deborah Watling. She's not the most memorable, honestly. Uh, she only had two serials that she was on that I believe I believe she was only on two serials. Uh, but she's like constantly scared, like easily scared too, and not really used well. The you know there's a lot of people that get kind of swept under the rug and uh, throughout mm-hmm. Doctor Who, and she's one of them. And this is also during the area where they're still trying to find their progressive shoes. Like, Doctor right. Who has always been very good about trying to be with the times, trying to be progressive, sometimes trying to be ahead of the times, but most often they're behind. Right. Uh, you know, they're, they're always trying. And, you know, the, there's a lot of down moments with the, the Trout and that I'll get to, but she's one of them. She's kind of like an underutilized female companion character. One who's not really underutilized is Zoe Harriet. Uh, played by Wendy Padbury. Wingy Padbury. I love the name. Yeah. But she's a genius. Zoe is uh, amazing. Because, well, I say amazing. She's kind of bland. Like, she doesn't have much of her personality. But it's because she comes from the future. And so, she's super smart. And gotcha. she's surrounded by idiots. 
Like she almost like her intelligent intelligence in the show at least almost rivals the doctor's. Like they kind of oh, wow. play it off that what the doctor doesn't know she knows, and it's it's kind of nice. You know, you That's get this fun. female comparison who you know she's not always utilized well, but she does have an episode where she outsmarts a supercomputer. So that's pretty fucking cool. That's cool. You know? But uh, my favorite companion of most of the classic Doctor Who, like, not not a joke at all. He's still in my top, like, I mean, easily top ten, probably top five if I were to stop and think about it, is Jamie Mc, uh, McCrimmon, played by Fraser Hines. Yeah, he's very fun. Uh, he plays a, uh, a Scottish warrior, I believe. Not a, not a warrior, but he's like a soldier. Um, okay. And he's gotcha. in the middle of in the middle of a war when the, when the doctor comes across them, and uh, there's an episode called The Highlanders that's missing, sadly. But that's when uh-huh. he joins the show. I, I read the the <clears throat> you know giant ass fan wiki page like plot summary of it, but that was like you know half a year ago. I don't remember it. You know he's he's so much fun, and and him and Patrick Troughton, uh, Fraser Hines and Patrick Troughton, they worked together before the show. They were oh, on some project good. together. Yeah. Yeah, so when he came in, it was just like immediate friendship between the two of them. They clicked so fucking well. Their chemistry is wonderful. Jamie is an idiot. Like, constantly, <laughs> like, he's always like five seconds behind when, like, somebody will say something. But like, what do you mean about that? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> And, and he's wonderful, you know. And and him and him and the doctor get along so like pretty well. The doctor's always ragging on him. He's always ragging on the doctor. <laughs> when the doctor says that that uh, adage about an unintelligent enemy, you know, isn't uh, as big of a threat as an intelligent one, he's telling that the Jamie. And I believe he, he even follows it up with "just be yourself." <laughs> <laughs> Got he's just he's an absolute joy, and he's the like he is the most loyal companion that i think the doctor's ever had oh, like man. he he listens to the doctor's word to a t he he protects people he will go out of his way to make sure that somebody is like heard uh he's very considerate in that way and you know it's just it, it's so much fun just to watch him and uh the second doctor just like riff on each other across the stars and like doing all these crazy adventures uh and and one of the sad things that's lost, I think the Highlander might be one of the last like historical episodes because Enos Loy decided we're not going to do historicals anymore. We're going to focus on the sci-fi. We're going to focus on the oh. fun alien adventures. And I like that. I love those fun alien adventures, but I know there's a lot of people who love those historical episodes. I do too, but like not to the same extent. So they, they're kind of gone for a while. Well, I would be more interested in them in the new show than I would be in the old this is a judgment without watching much classic who, but I, I just, the slower pace, I think the sli- the sci-fi elements would draw me in more than the, the historical right. elements. And, and yeah, the slower pace and like also with a lot of the historical things, like while they're trying to be accurate, they're not very accurate and they're sure. often very non-progressive. Right. And that's the other, that's the big issue of the Trout era is like, if there's one episode, if there's one serial, I would recommend people go watch. Like, what's the best Troughton, uh serial? The, the one that comes to mind that I remember most vividly is the Tomb of the Cybermen. It's, uh, it's when the Cybermen are first introduced. It's got that theme. <laughs> like, it's got that crazy theme, that, that creepy, crazy theme. The only problem is, 
there are three villains in that in that serial and that those four five episode story arc whatever and all villains are foreign one of them is a black man and he is presented very much as like a mute non-thinking person so it's a very you know like that this is where the show is still struggling in regards right. to issues and that that was the biggest glaring issue in the entire the entire Troughton era was it seemed like they were trying to take a step forward with like progressive stuff and like inclusion with actors and everything but they cast them as villains right and it's it's so it's so prevalent in that episode even though that episode is so like all the that that story i mean is so good in the fact that it's kind of horrifying it introduces the cybermen it's got like these great themes and like uh um like messages that they're trying to tell but it's weighed down so heavily and then you have this really stupid fucking hero guy that i hate because he is a bad actor in my opinion he's really kind of dumb uh. but he's the white blonde and he's uh, the one yeah. who's like the 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 soldier so i can't actually recommend the tube of the cybermen even though it's the one that sticks with me the most because it's the one that has like the best sci-fi themes and everything it's so fucking racist that it's it it just weighs it down so heavily. It's like it's like the best and the worst episode throughout the entire uh, Troughton era. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that gets better as the show goes on. It's you know it's hard to say that that it's forgivable because it's old because that's not what we're saying. But no. it, it is you know you kind of have to look past it because one thing it's in the past. It happened mm. so long ago. What are you gonna do to these people? Um, that made this television show. <laughs> right. Uh, They're so already in the ground. You just kind of have to watch it. If you're a fan, you just kind of have to watch it and, and bear it a little bit. And also from a historical context, it's still very much worth watching right. for the history of Doctor Who and the history of television and yeah. how it progressed and evolved. Doctor Who, you know, the things that, the sci-fi craziness that they brought to television, that was pretty much brand new with yeah. them. And, you know, you wouldn't have shows like, I'm really struggling to come up with an example, but we'll say Farscape or something like that, where you got these crazy aliens and the, the ship itself is an alien. Yeah, like, you would not have things like that without predecessors like Doctor Who or Star Trek. Um, yeah, I was going to say, even Star Trek came after Doctor Who, and I think right. it might have been inspired. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry might have definitely been like seeing what BBC was doing with sci-fi and been like, oh, I, I kind of need to right. do that too. Right, and I'll say, you know, maybe a little bit less in the, the OG series, but I do feel right. like they went for a little bit more of a hard-hitting science feel. I'm not going to say yeah. that it is hard-hitting science, maybe a little bit more in the later <laughs> series. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that. That is like the the downside to the Trout eras. It definitely has those of the times bullshit, and but that's not to demean or undermine what the Trout era is because still, that's just like the one story that I remember right. that has that. I'm sure there are others, but they're not as blaring to me. Even though I'm kind of ignorant on these kind of things, because you know, white person, I don't I don't live seeing it every day. So it's like it sometimes it goes under my radar. So there's probably is more in the Trout era, 
But that's the only one that I blatantly remember that really bothered me. Right. Even though, again, that episode as a whole has so much good. It's just none of it can be can be brought to the light because of all the bad. Right. But there are there are other remaining great episodes. There's one episode uh, where Troughton plays another character. Like, so he's, he's playing the doctor, <laughs> but he's also playing the villain. Because nice. they go to an area that has this dictator. He, he is he's an orator, just like you know, like Hitler in a way. But he's not not like anywhere near as bad as Hitler. But like he he's playing this like dictator character, and then you know the doctor shows up, and there's so much confusion because people think you know the dictator <laughs> is the one swimming in the ocean in this ridiculous bathing suit, and they're like, what the fuck's he doing? You know, it's just it's just it's just the doctor having a good time. That's a that's a fascinating uh, series, and you know there, there's a lot of really fun episodes with Trouton, and he's just such a you know just such a lovable goofball that I, you know I just God he gave so much to the show. It's it's arguable that he gave more to the show than Hartnell because Hartnell certainly we would have had nothing without Hartnell, right? But it's arguable also that we wouldn't have had fifty to sixty plus more years think without Trouton. Sure. Because everything changed. It was all on Troughton to make it that this can keep happening, that you can keep changing right. and, and reviving this show. And and he did it wonderfully. He, you know, he did by specifically by not just bringing what Hartnell brought to the table. He brought what Patrick Troughton could bring to the table. And, you know, there's a famous, famous quote from um, William Hartnell himself when he's presented with the the fact that Patrick Troughton is going to replace him. William Hartnell is uh, quoted as saying, there's only one man in England who can take over and that's Patrick Troughton. And, you know, he, he had, you know, he had his, uh, supposedly had his predecessors full approval. I say supposedly because there's that movie, uh, an adventure in, uh, in time and space that has David Bradley playing William Hartnell, mostly a biopic on that. And it's a fabulous, wonderful movie, but, um, it definitely that movie made it seem like it was more of uh, William Hartnell was hit hard by the this you know the fact that he was being made to leave because of his medical issues and so he was trying to keep face and and show his approval and understanding mm. without losing his you know his temper or emotions. So it's like whether or not he really believed those words, sure. it's arguable. But that is that is one thing he's quoted as saying, and you know it's it it kind of set the 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 landscape i will say for the doctors kind of like helping the the new one in you know because it kind of seems like they you know sometimes especially in nowadays modern times uh maybe not so much back in the classic episodes i don't know how they well they interacted um going you know coming and going but nowadays is uh from what jody whitaker said what matt smith said um and now actually even shooty got said that uh jody called him i think uh, it just kind of seems like, like they, the, they call the, the next one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the presidential letter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sadly, the last thing I wanted to talk about is uh, saying goodbye. Because uh, Patrick, you know, Patrick Troughton, again, it's because of that grueling schedule. They right. were still doing 100 episodes or so. Like, as I said, throughout his whole career, Troughton did 119 episodes wow. in three years. So they were doing, what, like... Yeah, way too much. It's it's a lot of it's work. At least, and I think it's like it's thirty close to forty something. a year. You said a hundred yeah. and what episodes a year? One hundred and nineteen. So it's it's just one under forty a year. Thirty something. Yeah. Yeah. Forty, forty, thirty nine, and <laughs> like it's a lot. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Math head. But, I mean, he was he was also, like, f- afraid of being typecast because he's a character actor. You know, you don't want to get stuck yeah. in one role forever. So, he, he also set this new precedent because William Hartnell was there for three years and left. Patrick Troughton was there for three years and left. That's kind of the golden number, it seems, for Doctor Who, especially with modern day because, you know, Tennant, Smith, Capaldi, Whitaker, three years and gone. And yeah. it's like, yeah, That's it's 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 just become... Yeah, it's it's just the trend. I think there's an uh I know Colin Baker and McCoy uh Sylvester McCoy didn't get three years. And neither did Davidson. Eccleson, but he'd never no. really planned to. No, he didn't, yeah. He just wanted to bring it back, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But but I I think Peter Davidson, the the fifth doctor, might have had three years. I'm not sure about that. We'll get there in a couple of years, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, Troughton Troughton said goodbye. Uh, he was he was going to say goodbye. That is, and along with him was going Jamie uh, McCrimmon, Fraser Hines, uh, who was almost like he was in a lot of episodes with Troughton. Like once he came on, he was the like the longest running companion for a very long time. And wow. and he made it so much fun to watch because they, they together they were great. And but they were all even. And they had the the crazy thing is they had um, when they made the decision. The, the producers and everybody kind of looked it down. And they're like, okay, we still have 10-episode block. So, we have a 10-episode block to say goodbye, to have a good finale. So, Patrick Trown's last story is a 10-episode story called The War Games, which I love The War Games. It's a lot of fun. It's a very fascinating story. You get a lot of different, like, fictional forms of time uh, time periods and stuff because you're going all across historical uh, uh, periods having war games there's there's these um overarching villains who are playing war games basically using real people and computer simulations yeah it's it's very interesting you have it's a lot of fun for everybody i i know there's some people who hate it but like i find it very good entertainment but the the problem with it is is the very last episode when you when we say goodbye because this is also the the story where you get significant background into the time lords into oh, okay. the doctor's uh, race they they've been mentioned before they were first mentioned in a William Hartnell episode where they had the monk there was a he he comes across a fellow time lord called the monk i don't think they call him a time lord in that episode hmm. um but but the william hartnell does mention he is of my race he is one of me and, well not one of me but one of my people but here we actually like get like time lord name dropped because one of the villains is a Time Lord, one of the people who's playing the war games. And the, the Doctor uh, realizes the only way that he could stop this villain, spoiler alert, is to contact the Time Lords to get them to correct things. Because this guy is fucking up time. And so, he's unnerved in doing that because he himself has been playing around with time he's been traveling all over visiting people having his grand adventures you know that's not something the time lord you know the time lords of the opinion that we're not supposed to mess with time blah 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 stole the tardis he also stole tardis yeah he's he's a criminal basically the doctor is yeah and the only but the only way he can stop all this evil is to contact them they're the only ones who could write everything and so he does that. He contacts them, they step in, and then the last episode is basically a trial where they uh you know, they try the doctor and for his crimes and everything, how he has affected the world. And 
They remove his companions, send them back to their timelines, sands the memory of the Doctor. So Jamie Aww. goes back to Scotland right in the middle of his war where he was fighting when he uh, first met the Doctor. And uh, to my opinion, uh, to my knowledge, that is, I don't think he has memories. So that it's very, uh, yeah, it's a very Donna Noble situation that, you know, David Tennant's commanded yeah. Donna Noble. So it's very upsetting because he's one of my favorites. Um, he does come back in later episodes. Um, there's the the two doctors and the five doctors for other oh, cool. um, doctor eras where they have big, uh, big events where, all, you know, d- different reincarnations of the doctor meet and have an adventure. And so Fraser Hines comes back for those episodes, which is wonderful. That is but awesome. yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of the saddest things that he leaves. And then the doctor's punishment is a forced regeneration and it, you know, he's, he's forced into regenerating and he's also has the memory of time travel removed from him. So yeah, he is, he <laughs> I didn't is, know that part. At the at the end of Patrick Troughton's era, you don't really know what that means, but when John Pertwee steps in, when when we get to the third Doctor, you find out that for a lot of John Pertwee's beginning, for like the first two years or so, he's locked on Earth. He's stuck on Earth. His TARDIS won't go anywhere uh, because he doesn't know how to fix it. He doesn't remember how to time travel, how to how to do this. So he is stuck in one era, and that's his punishment. Now interestingly there is a lot of fan belief that since we don't see the regeneration from patrick troughton into john pertwee there's belief that that's where they use um that's where the time lords use patrick troughton to do shit for them so there's been there's been comics there's been books there's been hints in recent modern who um that you know that this was an era where the doctor was being used as kind of like a renegade doctor so you know and that, kind of and that would that, be a good place still. for the memory wipe to happen. Yeah, exactly. But that would mean that they had a... Me- I can't get too much into it. I know, right? <laughs> the spoilers for all the new Who. But at the same time, Chubnall didn't seem like he was going to do anything with that. So Yeah, but Russell T. Davies could. I mean, Russell T. Davies could, but I think Russell T. Davies might ignore a lot of what Chibnall's done. <laughs> yeah. There's some cool stuff, though. There's some cool stuff that just wasn't super well written. Sorry, Chibbers. Right. Yeah, sorry, Chibbers. He did. Chibbers did come out and say that uh, he, he expects Russell T. Davies to kind of ignore most of what he's done. And his, yeah. his explanation for that is, like I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, this is the new era. Yeah. This is, this is Russell T. Davies coming show. in. Yeah. Yeah. He's reviving it. He gets to do his own story now. The elements he wants to keep, he can keep. The elements he doesn't want to keep, he can kind of ignore or entirely forget about or reverse or whatever the fuck he wants. It's That's how this show survives. So. And you know what? Our show survives by doing two episodes a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know that is quite a bit. Yeah. But it, it is I, a lot of fun and you know I feel like we're I'm I feel like we're watching about the same amount of stuff as we would have <laughs> if we weren't doing this. Uh right. so I I've been enjoying it and I hope that uh you know when we get old and sickly they 
regenerate us and have that'd be nice yeah new 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 green faceless reviewers dude i'm i'm down like i can keep the face but if they want to regenerate my body that'd be nice yeah that would be good i like my face i like my legs and my feet i think those are good yeah but yeah my uh my torso up to my chin if you know i can deal with the regeneration there my belly up to my chin really belly to your chin my belly yeah. yeah, gotta include the belly. I think that if they were to do anything with me, they'd have to melt me down and then like re-pour me into a mold. Right, yeah. yeah. And then build you up like Play-Doh. Make me look more like John Cena. Just in the body. Ooh, that'd, Just that'd be nice. Body. Yeah. I don't want to be that ripped. Yeah, it's a bit much, you're right. Uh, a yeah. step Somewhere between... No, you know what? Just Stephen Amell. Just make me Stephen Amell. <laughs> Yeah, I'm down for that. Skinny thick. Yeah, that's skinny thick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. If I were to to rate, I believe I rated the Hartnell era. So if I were to rate the Trouton era, I'd give it, yeah. um, I would give Trouton himself three and a half stars, but I'd give the era three because it's it's brought down by the issues I mentioned um, and by the fact that a lot of it's missing, which is just very unfortunate but uh, you know if, if you're going to start with a doctor i definitely recommend starting with Trouton, even though it's all kind of hodgepodge and missing he's still just so fun and lovable his era was a lot of fun so yeah that's that is the show i think for those of you loyal couch potatoes who stuck with us thank you so much i know again i know this episode is almost solely for me but <laughs> I'm sure there's people out there who love to hear other people gush about things. And for yeah. you, uh, I very I very much appreciate it. Yeah, this one's for the Whovians. Uh I hope you find it and that you also find it enjoyable. I've been the Faceless Leon. And I'm the Green Traveler from Gorge. Thank you so much for listening. Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. Are you a fan of the show? Feel free to contact us at greenandfacelessfans at gmail.com or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe or rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.